This is Trepwire Week in Review for week ending October 1st. I'm Martha Kocha with Trep, a data modeling and analytics firm for the CMBS Commercial Real Estate and CLO Markets. I'm with Manis Clancy, Senior Managing Director, and Joe McBride, Head of CRE Finance. This week, Congress averted a government shutdown with just hours to spare as investors digested mixed economic data. Initial jobless claims were higher for the third straight week. Durable goods orders rose sharply in August. Pending home sales rose more than expected in the same month, and home price growth jumped to new heights in July. Mana stock markets ended the day down, and analysts point to concerns over inflation and supply chain issues, or is it simply a seasonal blip? Well, certainly September was a dismal month for equities. I think it was our worst month in about almost a year. The NASDAQ is down about 6% off its high at this point. But I have to say, for the better part of three and a half weeks this month, I kind of chalked it up to the, the stuff going on in Washington, the debt ceiling debate causing jitters, partly people concerned that the market was overvalued. I didn't put a lot of credence because, you know, with every downturn, we had seen a real bounce back in stocks after every inflation scare or uh, supply chain concern. But I would say over the last couple of days, I, th I think my opinion has changed. This seems to be going beyond just your DC debt ceiling brinksmanship worries at this point. Um, and, I, and I think evidence of that came today with you know retail really selling off hard after Best Buy's announcement about supply chain issues and rising costs, right? The headline today, Bed Bath & Beyond down 20% over these issues. Uh, and that really had a contagion. Gap down 8%, Ross down 5%, Dollar Tree down 5%, Walgreens down 3.5%. Even Home Depot today, you know, one of the darlings of the pandemic era, down 2.5%. So uh, I was probably not giving enough credence in the past to the fact that supply chain issues and inflation are really starting to unnerve investors at this point. Yeah, I'd also just jump in and say, you know, some of these brinksmanship deals uh, in DC cause a little bit of turmoil in the, the treasury market, right? Because, I mean, they just, they literally just passed a bill to fund the government for another month and change or two months, which I just think is hilariously dumb that they do this, that, that they do this the way they do this. But anyway, when uh, the 10-year treasury jumps up above 1.5%, there's all of a sudden, I think, kind of psychologically and algorithmically across all of the extremely highly valued growth tech type names. That's when you see those really sell off. I mean, I think it was Tuesday, I was in the office looking at the TV and seeing, you know, Zillow and Zoom and Amazon and all these other, you know, high PE multiple firms down five, six, seven, 8%. I mean, as much as uh, discounted cash flow modeling doesn't really matter anymore, when you're discounting future earnings at 0% and then you increase that to 0.5% or 1.5%, that is a big difference. And the, the flow of funds, I think, is the biggest worry, right? Right now, funds are flowing into anything and everything that has any sort of uh, expected return, which is not treasuries and not savings accounts. But if that changes, then you could see billions or trillions of dollars you know, moving back into more normal kind of safer assets, which would be bad for all of these kind of high growth names. So 
the other part of this that I thought was uh, actually, it's kind of the non sequitur, but kind of interesting or funny if you're kind of schadenfreude type like I am, which is those two Fed governors stepping down. I don't really know what to say about it other than, you know, at what point does there have to be some rules around there, right? They were trading stocks. I don't really know the whole story. You know, going back to the numbers about a week ago, we were talking about a 1.3% treasury. We got as high as about 155, 156, 25 basis points. And, and to my earlier point, for most of the week, I was chalking that up to, you know, debt ceiling shenanigans or lack thereof in, in Washington, right? That was pushing rates higher. But now I'm not so sure, right? Now that we've seen Bed Bath & Beyond and others have these, these issues with with costs and so forth, that I think it may be more of a situation where people are starting to think inflation is not transitory, as has been the talking point for quite some time. I'll give our friend Yanni another shout out from a couple months, maybe two months ago, when he came out and said what, when we were talking about what the catalyst would be, and he was mentioning shipping container costs and things like that. And, you know, it might be a case of all of these uh, issues were happening over the last several months, but big giant chains buy things well in advance, and they probably were able to kind of get through it in Q2, but in Q3, it really started to hit them, right? And yeah, I mean, this is a call out to our, our listenership. You know, tell us where you're seeing supply shortages, if you are in your markets, you know, whether it's food products or industrials or anything else. I know we've heard stories of car lots being, you know, one third full, largely because of shortages in getting chips and because the chips are not available, you can't finish the car and the car can't be delivered to the dealership. But we'd be curious from our listenership, if you're seeing other things, we certainly know there's a shortage in employees uh, at this point. So inflation is now officially not transitory because of the item that, that Martha was mentioning before, Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree is no longer, or is it Family Dollar? No, it's Dollar Tree, but I didn't mention it. Oh, you didn't mention it? Well, well not, you did before Before we, we press recording. record. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, there's a little inside baseball for all you listeners out there. We do talk before we press record. But it's no longer Dollar Tree. It's Dollar Plus Tree. Dollar Tree Plus. Dollar or more tree. So, I mean, come on. Like... Your whole name is keeping it under a dollar and you can't even keep it under a dollar. Inflation is no longer transitory, if it ever was. We're closing in on the final CMBS delinquency numbers for the month. Manus, where do we stand at this point? Well, our loyal listener, BS, he is... You know, just to, hold on a second there. You know, it sounds a little bit like you're calling our loyal listener... BS. And I don't mean that as an initial, it means, you know. No, no, no. Those are his initials. Let's be clear. I'm not calling him out as a a false prophet or anything like that. He's a real person with his finger on the pulse. I would say, you know, the vast majority of his predictions over the last year, whether it's with regard to delinquencies, financing available, recovery, things like that, all of that has been really spot on. And and he's been saying for months that, you know, the recovery in CRE will continue. And uh, sure enough, it looks like he's going to be right again this month. Our early indications at this point are that the overall delinquency rate will drop about another 40 basis points 
down into the low fives. You know, this time next month, we may be talking about a delinquency rate below 5%, which would just be extraordinary considering what a body punch this economy took and commercial real estate took in 2020 and early 21. Special servicing rates, uh, similar down about 40 basis points. On the retail and lodging sectors, both special servicing numbers and delinquency numbers, each property segment will see about a between 50 and 70 basis point improvement in their numbers. So, and retail may come down to below 10% if these preliminary numbers stand. So we also had, speaking of delinquencies, we had uh, another report out. It's actually a little bit lagged because this is bank data. So it takes a little bit longer to collect and, and get everybody kind of contributing and put it all together. But we had a Q2 2021 taller report uh, that our colleague Matt Anderson put together. That's the TREP Anonymized Loan Level Repository. I love that name, by the way, taller. Just saying, taller is always better. So, you know, nothing too shocking here. I think the delinquency rates on these bank loans had peaked back in Q4 2020, and they, they've been coming down, I'd say, reasonably since then. It was around 1.3% uh, total delinquencies in Q4 2020. Now it's down to just over 1%. But a little, a little interesting nugget in the data was that the uh, retail and lodging numbers, which had come down pretty significantly. So let's see here. Lodging was at 14%, and it came down to under 12% in Q1. It's actually on the way back up, at least for this quarter. I don't know if that's transitory or not, but that one's on the way back up and retail as well. So not sure what to make of this yet. Uh, maybe it's the just a like a data kind of blip, uh, or it's it's more than that. But the other thing that I'll just mention is that we do also get risk ratings on these loans um, from the bank contributors, and those are oftentimes a I'd say a more up to date indicator of the loan performance, especially during COVID times when there was a lot of forbearance and those types of things. So I'd say the the kind of percentage of loans in the higher risk rating buckets is a lot higher uh, than 1.3% or whatever the delinquency rate is. So if you want a little bit more kind of color on all of that, you know, feel free to shoot us an email podcast at trep.com. We have a ton of Northeast data in there. So for our New York bank clients, they really look at this pretty heavily to compare how they're performing versus uh, a lot of other kind of New York, New Jersey, Boston, those types of loans. We have Chicago and, and Texas and California as well, but a, a really good big footprint in the Northeast. So going through our property breakdown, let's start with office. And Manus, you have a special theme this week, and it has to do with grass. Not yes, that I was, grass. <laughs> I was thinking that there was so much positive news this week in the CRE segment that uh, in my mind, I thought there's more green shoots than a sod farm. Uh, and then it was really close to home. I grew up on Eastern Long Island and our neighborhood was full of sod farms growing up. You couldn't go a quarter mile without driving into, a, I don't know, hundreds of acres stretch of just open space and perfectly manicured grass. Um, so the delinquency rates themselves, that was a, a green shoot to start with. And, and we'll run through the property types kind of one by one, you know, the biggest stuff came in offices and I won't dwell on, on these too much. 
Uh, I'll just run through them quickly. This is a story from the Seattle Times. Um, Microsoft and other tech firms hunting for even more Manhattan office space. You could put this down as a must know if you want. They name Roku and Microsoft as firms looking for new leases in Manhattan. Amazon, Facebook, and Stripe are also looking to add space to their existing footprints. And last week, as we mentioned, I believe last week, Google agreed to buy space in the meatpacking district for a development project that was already leasing. Uh, they purchased that for $2.1 billion. So great things happening in New York, uh, driven by the tech market, and, and that's our first green shoot. Number two, I think this was a former must-know. Visa agreed to take on 125,000 square feet at uh, 1200 Peach, Peach Tree Street. That's a cousin's property building. We had told you several weeks ago that Visa was on the prowl. They will be joining the rent roll at that 370,000 square foot cousin's property. Uh, that story came to us from the Wall Street Journal. If you can't get behind the paywall, uh, Market Watch had a version of that story as well. Uh, this one came in over the last hour. Carvana is going to take uh, 600,000 square feet in Atlanta from State Farm under a sublet. State Farm has not been using the space. Uh, Carvana is going to move right in, which is an amazing amount of space for Carvana. I don't think of them as a, you know, I think of them as an industrial company, right? Selling cars, not a necessarily a tech company, but they're taking on 600,000 square feet. They had previously taken a huge chunk of space from State Farm in uh, Arizona as well, several months ago. Uh, in Denver, a property on Fillmore Road is changing hands for 108 million. That came from the Denver Post. Uh, it's in the Cherry Creek neighborhood uh, in the Denver area. Commerce Real is under contract to buy 100 Pearl Street in Manhattan for 850 million. That amounts to 900 bucks a square foot. Uh, another real green shoot for Manhattan, if you will. And then lastly, in the acquisition side, I will say that Yahoo's space in San Jose is going to be purchased by AGC Equities for $775 million. That story comes from the real deal. What's so interesting about this one is almost within a day of the sale being announced, Yahoo announced that it was going to sublet 300,000 square feet of space at that building. So you have to think that that was probably disclosed before the sale went through. Yet the buyer, they didn't care, right? That San Jose market is terrific for the tech space. And, you know, here's a case that somebody comes in is going to spend 775 million on something that they have to potentially re-tenant up over time. Amazing. Yeah, we had a couple return to office green shoots as well. I think it was BlackRock who... Uh... I got to give, as usual, Donut Shorts the shout out for uh, sending sending a few things along. BlackRock is targeting a November return. They call it a pilot program or or whatever, but, but come on, you know, either come well, back or don't. You, you know what I mean? Saw, you saw that Wells, and we they, did call it when Wells had their original date in October, November, and then they just this week pushed it to, to January. January 10th. So yeah. we heard it here first <laughs> when we well, said they're not going to do that. <laughs> they're calling it, this is a Bloomberg article. Uh, the firm is rolling out its quote unquote future of work pilot program over the next several months 
to gauge how well US and European employees can collaborate, blah, 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 right? Quote, unquote, future of work is come back to your desk in your cubicle. <laughs> I will say uh, TREP is on the bleeding edge. We'll be back next week. We've been back for probably two months now, kind of voluntarily, but we're going back full, full bore. And that means three, two, right? So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. It's been fun to be back in the office for sure. But it's also been nice not to have to go five days. So, you know, I just think this is going to be a question mark across all companies, across, you know, across especially places like Chicago and New York and San Francisco, where, you know, the commutes are not 20 minute drives to your suburban office. They're kind of big, big deal commutes to see how many employees kind of say, you know what, I don't want to come back, you know, and especially in a, in a market where employees have a lot of leverage, it'll be It'll be interesting to see. So I will say I have a, a signal or a, a symbol that nature is healing. Do you want to hear what it is? I'm dying to hear it. I was on the train home from Grand Central. It's about a 55-minute train ride. And I sat down. I got all ready. Got my iPad out. I was going to watch my Netflix show. Just relax. And a woman sat down behind me. And she was on her phone talking about work and gossiping about what's going on at work for the entire train ride. And get this, not only was it the entire train ride right behind me in my ear with me seething and boiling underneath, but not saying anything. When we get off the train, she gets off at the same stop and she stays on the phone and she's parked two cars away from me. So I literally had to listen to her from Grand Central to my car. <laughs> Let so the, I just thought, we're back. Let the right? commute rants we're back. in. Yeah. Wasn't that Dante's like six circle of hell, <laughs> right? 55 yes. minute train ride with uh, loud talker. You know, a nonstop loud talker behind you. Uh, I have two must knows for those in the business. Number one, I'm not sure who saw this this week, but early in the week, CAA out in Los Angeles is buying ICM to uh, entertainment operators, right? Agencies. Uh, this news came from the Hollywood Reporter. As part of the merger, the combined entity said that they're not going to be able to keep both headquarters. Uh, CAA is at 2000 Avenue to the Stars, where they have 300,000 square feet. ICM is at 10250 Constellation Boulevard. I think they have 120,000 square feet, if I'm not mistaken. In any event, one of those parcels likely to come up for sublet in the next year or two, adding more space to the Los Angeles market. Uh, the other is New Jersey is trying to lure Party City to its state. They're hoping to get them to move to Woodcliffe Lake, where they would backfill space that had previously been vacated by Asai Pharmaceuticals. Right now, other places under consideration are New York, Long Island, and Westchester. So keep an eye on that one. So turning to retail, we're going to start with a story that takes us to Virginia. Sure. So we talked about Tyson's Galleria at some point on this podcast. Probably we've been doing this podcast for, what, a year and a half? So a year ago, this property, this mall down in McLean, Virginia, it's a, you know, Tyson's Galleria, Tyson's Corner. It's a big, heavily trafficked area down there. This was a $325 million CMBS single asset deal from 2013. 
it had matured uh, in 2020, uh, but it couldn't pay off. So it actually uh, got a one-year extension back then and just recently uh, got a refi. So the new refi goes into a new CMBS deal and they got a $425 million loan on this refi. Some of that went to uh, fund reserves and some other kind of construction costs, but they were able to pull some equity out of this deal. Yeah, so this is, uh, let's see here, just a, a little bit of info on the loan. It is a three-year loan with three one-year extension options. It just got originated this month and it goes into a 2021 single asset, single borrower deal. The top tenants here are <laughs> the replacement tenants for the old, I think there was a Macy's or a JCPenney in here and a couple of the other stores that have been uh, downsizing for several years. And now we've got a Cine Bistro, which is one of those you know movie theaters where you pay $150 uh, to eat popcorn and pretzels and stuff. A Bolero, a lot of these, like, let's put, let's put some activity and food together, right? Bowling and food, nothing like eating like buffalo wings after you just put your hands on a greasy bowling ball. A Crate and Barrel, uh, a, a Lucid Motors, which is interesting, kind of like a Tesla dealio. Um, and then a little a Maggiano's Little Italy. So I guess, you know, I guess it's a green shoot, right? That a mall is able to get some decent financing out of the CMBS market and refi. Well, I would say it's the greenest of the green shoots we talked about today, right? Malls have been battered. Uh, we have seen some financings get done, but not many. The fact that these guys could come in and, and raise $425 million in debt is spectacular. I'm curious. I don't know if you have these numbers in front of you, Joe. What was the value placed on the property today? What LTV did it give the loan? And lastly, what was the value when the previous loan was securitized, if you have those, those pieces. I do. So this most recent appraisal done in the last couple of months was $650 million, which gives it a 65% LTV on this loan. And the old one is, let's see here, $617 million done back in 2013. So not a lot of appreciation, but also it's not, it's actually, it's still more than what it was uh, seven or eight years ago. Well, you could argue it's spectacular appreciation when everything else is down, you know, in some cases, 30, in some cases, nearly a hundred percent, right. Uh, you know, even modest appreciation is, is a grand slam. So uh, good for them. I, I love that story. And I love that we could talk about that green shoot. We've got a couple other green shoots here in retail. I'll run through quickly. Uh, I love this one. This is the Mesa mall in grand junction, Colorado. Dillard's is going to open a store there next week. This particular mall once backed an $87 million CMBS loan. It took a $21 million loss in 2017. That's usually the death knell of these malls, right? If the original borrower threw back the keys, it took a loss. It may continue to operate as a mall, but it usually is operating, you know, with second tier tenants, by a new operator who's used to running the property at a much lower basis. It's great to see a previously distressed mall uh, get a big name in there like Dillard's. Pivoting to hotels, we have a couple good stories there. Just a cleanup on uh, the Cosmo story. We talked about it last week. The Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, Blackstone sold out their pretty amazing deal that they had uh, acquired, I think it was seven or eight years ago for about $1.8 billion. 
there was another story in the Wall Street Journal this week, which quoted it as this fund, either Blackstone's or this fund's best investment return ever. And they had said that there was $4.1 billion in profits from this deal, including cash flow uh, during the life of the deal. So I also have to give our good friend Tommy C a shout out. He sent me many pictures and videos from the Cosmopolitan where he had spent four or five days, uh, I guess, last week. And he said that the restaurants were absolutely packed. The hotel was absolutely packed. And he was paying overnight or nightly rates that were significantly higher than he's paid in the past in Vegas. He also said that there was a, a mini tornado that, that flew through the pool party while he was there. He sent me a pretty funny video of that. So good color from our man on the street, Tommy C. One more hotel story in Detroit. So it, it just seems like, you know, we see nothing but green shoots almost exclusively in this. And here's another, right? I would call the cosmopolitan sale a tremendous green shoot, particularly for the price that previous owners had had gotten for this. Just an extraordinary, uh, you know, four bagger for them. This one here is about the Weston Book Cadillac Hotel in downtown Detroit. Cranes Detroit has been following this uh, story quite a while, and they broke this particular news. The story or, or the property in question backs a $77 million CMBS loan. The loan has been deeply distressed for a long time. No payments on the loan since May of 2020. So we're talking 15, 16 months now. The borrowers had said that they wanted to turn over the property to the lenders, like this was going to go deed in lieu. That was the most recent piece of news that we reported back, I think in March or April of 2021. And this week, uh, Oxford Capital came in and said that they were going to assume the $77 million CMBS loan, bring it current and operate the hotel. This is a property that had, you know, not only had there not been a loan payment in a long time, but, you know, occupancy and debt service coverage ratio deeply, deeply distressed um, for the last year and a half. So here is a situation where I think you know, the, the smart money was thinking we're going to see a small loss on this particular asset. The most recent appraised value was a little bit below the loan balance and uh, now comes in some fresh money looking to put this uh, hotel back to work. So great news in hotels. I just want to jump in here and say, it's not all green shoots. It's just, this is just what we got this week. I just want to put that out there because uh, I'm still expecting, you know, a, a nice market downturn uh, before the end of the year. And when progress. I say I'm expecting, I mean, it's one of those things where when you take a shot from half court and you say money or you say swish, if it goes in, you're like a hero. If it doesn't go in, nobody expected you to be right anyway, right? So, <laughs> well, I would say a couple of things. I would say the tendency for the last several weeks, maybe even several months, has been there's been more good news than bad news in the CRE space. And I think some people might be scratching their heads right now and say, you know, my portfolio got crushed, interest rates went up, a lot of volatility. And that's all true. So when I say green shoots, I'm really talking about the capital markets, sales velocity, valuations, recovery of distress to assets, right? All of those things, the, you know, the, the barometer was pointing up considerably this week, and it has for, for several weeks now. Of course, that could change. 
But by and large, you know, the CRE market has been detached um, from all this volatility that we've seen over the last 30 days um, completely. And our slice of life story actually is a retail story, which we have categorized as gratuitously obnoxious. So let's walk through that little ditty. Yeah, this was a story broken by Lauren Thomas of CNBC. She covers their retail segment, retail earnings, you know, on, on the Squawk Box and other shows on, CNB, on CNBC during the course of the day. She wrote today and then, and then appeared on the show, noting that Macy's is trying to block Amazon from advertising on top of Macy's flagship Herald Square store, the place where Miracle on 34th Street was based and where the Thanksgiving Day parade ends and, and so forth. Macy's has asked the landlord, which is the Kaufman organization, to stop a deal with Amazon that would put an Amazon billboard uh, on the top of that iconic building. And, and I was thinking about this and, you know, sometimes you look at these things and, and you think that this is just like the equivalent of, you know, stealing state university's mascot before the big game, right? Some kind of impish behavior, you know, kind of a little bit of tweaking the opponent or something like that. You know, this is just kind of gratuitous obnoxiousness, if you ask me that, you know, there, there's thousands and thousands of buildings that have room for signage, right, billboards, et cetera. And, and for Amazon to do this, I just think it's, it's low rent. It's a little taunting. I wonder if it's on purpose or if it was just some, oh, no, you know, definitely. marketing executive, marketing kind of grunt at Amazon trying to buy billboard ads all over the place. And one of them happened to be this one. But knowing Bezos, this was probably on his list. While he was like flying in a rocket, he was like, I want that billboard right there. Yeah, it, it just seemed like a little bit of dirty pool to me. And, and, and you it's kind of like why I have trouble watching UFC fighting. Because, you know, it's like when the guy gets knocked out and falls down to the ground and then the guy keeps going and like wails him a couple more times. It's like, dude, he's knocked out. Just I can't watch that. Just leave him, you know? That's that's it. the analogy that comes to mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a rough story to read. And, and it's the equivalent of pouring salt on the wound. Lemon in the paper cut. We got any more? That's it? <laughs> no couple more cliches. Of, enough of those. A couple programming notes. We were at Global ABS last week, and if you wanted to go and couldn't go, we had distributed a magazine of analysis and commentary. If you'd like to get a copy of it, it's free, and we'd be happy to send it to you. Send us an email. And as we've mentioned in a couple podcasts, we're accepting nominations for seniors who are graduating in December from undergraduate universities. And if you think you've got somebody who's a good candidate, send us an email. And we'll throw them in the mix and they possibly could get selected. Shout outs this week. We have our regular shout out person, Oz, who that's his cover name. He congratulated us on our 101st episode. So he was bucking the trend of the folks that were way better us. than episode 100, just to be honest. To be fair, he says he listens every week at the gym. This is Friday ritual. So I don't know how he stays motivated listening to us talk about loan. I would pump you up. Exactly. That is somebody who's really into commercial real I just, estate. I just, I'm not seeing it, but you know what? Thank you. 
And Deborah Morgan sent us uh, a couple notes, one about the developer who's going to be uh, bidding for the Surfside uh, property that you recall had uh, that devastating collapse earlier this year. And we had a global ABS conference attendee who's anonymous, says they are a religious listener and that they don't always agree with our comments, but they always tune into the podcast. So I wanted to make the appeal to those of you that don't agree we love your thoughts and comments and feedback. So feel free to send us where you think we got it wrong. I wonder if that was the lady on the train. <laughs> no, no. London, global <laughs> ABS, London. And we had a number of people share our misallocation story, which was a big story we had last week. Casey Conway, who we've actually had on the podcast known as the Red Shoe Economist from Alabama, Steve M, Anissa Z. Ann L and Tom F. And I'm wondering if Tom F is Tom Fink. It probably is. So thank you for that. And uh, a shout out to Rob B, who is a listener and informed us that it is International Podcast Day, yet another bogus holiday to share with your loved ones. Rob, a very handsome, intelligent man. If you look closely, you know, in, in your local card store, you'll find like a very small section on <laughs> congratulations, podcaster on your, and there's usually about a hundred of them, one each for your first, your second, your third, your fourth, et cetera. I love it. Podcast. Be, yeah. Uh, but you, you have to look really closely, you know, it's, uh, you know, right behind you know, happy great, 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 great grandmother's day and, <laughs> and uh, a few other things. Hey, if anyone wants to send us some t-shirts, you know, yeah. I mean, we'll we're take, open. I'm just we'll saying. Take, we'll take a card. We'll take right? a card. We'll shout out your uh, hotel. If you uh, give us a couple free nights at the Cosmo, no big there deal. Right. That's it. So with that, we'll close. Thank you to our producer, Haley Keene. Join us next week as we review what's happened during the week and how it may be impacting you. Actually, no, that's not true. Next week, we have a regulatory roundup with Mike Flood from the NBA. So that will be a, a different episode. So tune in for that. That should be pretty good where we talk about uh, regulations and taxes and all that stuff. For more information, visit chef.com and subscribe to the podcast with your favorite provider. Thank you for listening and stay well. All right. 